the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. It's the Chicago Tribune columnist extraordinaire John Cass in for Amy J. this morning. Thanks, Dan, for I, having me. Of course, our pleasure, of course, as always. And uh, what one of the things that uh, Biden spoke of at his inaugural address, you'll recall, was how we're going to restore America's standing in the world, <laughs> rebuild our relationships with our allies. How's that going? Here's Alberta Premier Jason Kenney on Biden's preemptory cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline. The biggest part of that trade is Canadian energy ec- exports, largely from uh, our province here of Alberta. We have the third largest oil reserves in the world. We ship about a, nearly $100 billion worth of energy to the U.S. every year. Keystone XL would have been a, a significant, uh, safe, modern uh, I- increase in that shipment. Um, and it is very, uh, it, it's very frustrating that one of the first acts of the new president was, I think, to disrespect America's closest friend and ally Canada um, and uh, to kill uh, good paying union jobs on both sides of the border and ultimately to make the United States more dependent on foreign oil imports from OPEC dictatorships. We don't understand it. And at the very least, we believe that uh, those who've invested in this project, trusting in the regulatory process in the U.S., should be compensated by the U.S. administration. You mean the taxpayers? Oh, off to a slow start in terms of, uh, you know, Feeling uh, the era of good feelings with our uh, allies, including our neighbors to the Great White North. We'll start there with Lieutenant Colonel Jim Carafano, Vice President of the Catherine and Shelby Cullum Davis Institute for International Studies at the Heritage Foundation, author of books including Wiki at War and Private Sector Public Wars. Jim, thanks for joining us. Hey, good to be with you. Uh, so what what about that? Uh, disrespectful to uh, the Canadians. Uh, that's um, not the uh, lovey-doveyness we expected from uh uh, that, that we expected the Biden administration to bring to the world? Well, you know, it's more than that. It's it's bad science. It's bad economics. It's bad foreign policy. And it's actually anti-truth. So it's it's almost a poster child for all the things the Biden administration promised they, they weren't going to be. It's, it is really bad science. So we have a pipeline that's about a half a billion barrels. So the XL would have doubled that moving that oil still probably going to come to the united states because that's the most efficient place to take it it's it's going to come in tankers which means that the, the co2 emissions will be infinitely greater so it's actually bad it's a bad decision for the environment it makes terrible economics um all you're doing is because oil is a fungible global commodity if you make canadian medical energy more expensive all that means is you're making you know people like russia and venezuela's energy cheaper and you're making people more dependent on less reliable sources of energy. It's, of course, terrible um, foreign policy. And, and the reality is it is a policy that's not good for the environment or for energy. So it really only pleases 
the most progressive, radical environmental activists who think that if if we just cut off all the sources of oil and gas, that's how we're going to make the transition to green energy. When even the people that really endorse the transition to green energy argue that you have to have a, a transition between fossil fuels and green energy, and things like the XL pipeline actually facilitate that transition. So it's hard to I mean, I don't know why they did this because they didn't explain it, which apparently was, I guess, not part of being bipartisan and being president for all Americans. They just did it. But it seems hard to find any other explanation that that this is just a policy to please the most radical environmental activists. There's one more there's one more kicker to this, too, which is uh, uh, a a Native American tribe in Utah sent a pretty angry letter to the Department of Interior, not about Keystone uh, XL specifically, but about the. uh, the executive order that uh, temporarily halts leases and permits for energy development on federal land. So now he, he can't even uh, keep, uh, you know, some of what ostensibly would be his constituents, you know, playing woke politics, identity politics. He's got a Utah Native American tribe not too pleased with him on this energy policy gambit as well. But you guys missed something. You, know, I, you both missed something. You know, here's, Where's ahead, the uh, lieutenant, where, lieutenant colonel, where is the uh, railroad industry? They've got to be happy with this. So Warren Buffett's happy. Warren Buffett and anybody investing in tankers, right? Tanker cars. Right, but, they, but right, they would be because they're going to make more money, but it's not nearly as efficient uh, and cost-effective, and, and it actually increases greenhouse gases. So it's because eventually you, if you do railroads, you still got to – transit that to a tanker at some point and the and the transit times are going to be longer for the railroads than they would be from a from a pipeline so you know it, the, i think the biggest issue here from an environmental and energy policy standpoint is is how do you make a transition to greener energies and the answer is you make energy more affordable you make economies more wealthy and more efficient and you facilitate the evolution of technology and infrastructure all this does is it makes us poorer and more vulnerable it's a terrible terrible policy decision. Well, and, and on the score of energy independence um, and, and economic vitality, those two scores, I suppose, the news over the weekend that China has now taken over the United States as, as the world's top destination for new foreign direct investment. They did that last year, uh, now supplanting the United States as the most attractive place for capital to locate. Um, what are the implications of that? Well, I, th- I think the problem is the more investment there is in China from foreign companies and the more companies are in such entangled with China, the more dependent they are on them. And, and, and the more dominant China's position is technology. But they're in secret about that. I actually wrote a book about this back in, I think, 2006 or something. And I went back and looked at it. And the Chinese said, you know, over a decade ago, their goal is information dominance. And they're going to achieve that through dominating digital and other forms of infrastructure um, they look at information as kind of the world's new nuclear weapons, and facilitating and speeding that process of Chinese dominance actually definitely puts the United States in a more vulnerable position in the long term. And the only way – here's the deal. The only way to really compete with that is to make the American economy more attractive to invest in. Things like making energy in America more expensive, that does the exact opposite of making America an attractive destination for foreign investment. I, I, let's talk about that just for a, a second longer, because I uh, was referred to a development economist named Albert Hirschman, 
who wrote this interesting perspective on Germany in the run-up to the World War II. And he, and he wrote in 1941 that Germany was neither a free trader nor a protectionist. It was a power trader. Use trade as a key to gain commercial and military advantage over its adversaries. And the argument is that's what China is doing. It's not free trade or protectionism. We look, we're looking at it the wrong way. It's power trading to gain commercial or military advantages. So it's sort of individually specific. It's context specific. But the play is power. It is not ideological in terms of free trade to grow the economy versus protectionism to protect industries. That's not that what they're doing. I, I think that's a, an accurate, you know, I, uh, I have a Ph.D. in history. That's, a, I think, an accurate both economic and, and historical assessment. And you know, in the end, the United States was able to dominate in World War II simply because we had the world's most innovative, free, and powerful economy. And the policies that that are not building on the strengths of our economy, like making us more energy dependent, making energy more expensive, limiting companies' abilities to innovate and grow, um, not challenging China. The, you don't want a level playing field with China in great power competition. The early market of the Biden policies, is that's exactly what it looks like they're trying to do. No great power ever wants a level playing field, correct? Well, I mean, if you're if you're a great power that isn't threatened by others, um, you're, you're perfectly happy to tolerate that, and and indeed you you value that because you know, a, a rising tide lifts all boats. That is not China's approach to the world, and and what frustrates me is this: the Chinese have been very upfront and public about this. They've stated what their what their goal in the world is. And one of their goal in the world is to diminish America's presence as a force in the world. You know, fundamentally, the United States and other countries like us, we believe in free markets, we believe in freely elected governments, um, and we believe in the free enterprise system. The Chinese Communist Party doesn't believe in any of that, and their goal in the world is they see those as obstacles to the expansion of their power and influence is to diminish those things. So the way you compete with the Chinese is not by self-diminishing your own strengths. And, and, and I think a, 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 a short-sighted environmental policy is, is the perfect way to diminish America's ability to not just stand for America, but to stand for the equities that make free societies strong and resilient. He is Lieutenant Colonel Jim Carafano, VP of the Catherine and Shelby Cullum Davis Institute for International Studies at the Heritage Foundation. Jim, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.